Cinetology. This is Cinetology. I'm Frank, along with Vinny Highlife. And Vin, sadly, I think we probably should mention that, you know, we're recording this on a Saturday. And late last night, I came across the news that Chadwick Boseman, star of Black Panther, passed yeah. away at 43. I didn't realize he was that old. Oh. <laughs> I mean, he looked good, right? I, I would have said early 30s, but he passed away of colon cancer, of all things, something he had not disclosed to the public. Yeah. So I, I was honestly, I was shocked when I read that. Like, I read it right before I went to bed last night. It was like, now, shocked because, like, like, I saw the, I don't know names of actors. Like, if if they're, yeah, I don't know. Like, I saw the name and I had his, and I was like, oh, who who's that guy? You know, because I'm bad with names, but, uh, yeah, I was like, oh, wow. I mean, because it said 2016, didn't it? Like, he had it then. And why would he want to yeah. disclose it? Because he wants jobs and he doesn't know, you know. No, yeah, he's had it for four years. And I guess, I guess that, I guess the fact that he is young and someone who's, you know, a big part of, like, this Marvel universe that we've invested in. And the fact that it came as a shock that he had cancer. Like, if, you know, if he had died, like, in an accident. Right. That, you know, that's, that's something understandable. But something like this just comes out of the blue. I don't know. It's um just sad, sad news. Yeah. Speaking of cancer, um, <laughs> yes. like you reminded me of something. I watched something on uh, on Disney Plus yesterday, and it's called um, Howard. Right. It's about the composer who does like all like did had done all the movies from uh, like the music from uh, like Little Mermaid and such. It was a really good uh, documentary. It was sad though. Like it was because um, they t and, and why I talk about can't not that he I can't remember i fell asleep a little bit to be honest so i don't remember why he why he died but it was interesting that there um because he was homosexual and they were talking about in the early uh, late 70s early 80s and i and I, I turned to my wife and i'm like they got to talk about aids and it, amazingly they talk about it but they back then i guess they called it the gay cancer i've never heard that term before like because before they called it aids they called it gay cancer and it's uh uh interesting fascinating little like like i look back at that kind of time period for me and look at it in a different way so anyway that was <laughs> that's my cancer reference for today a good documentary i recommend it okay now before i even before we get into this week's show um let's take a step back to last week and how we recorded almost literally right before they dropped the trailer of the batman it was at that DC fandom. I don't know. Are you, you familiar with this at all? It was this whole virtual fan convention that they I, had. I, I have online. no. I have no care for that. No. Yeah, I, I didn't watch any of it, but that, that's where they, they dropped it. Um, so after everyone else in the world has already talked about it, Wait, it's, it's been out a week. It's been. Yes. <laughs> how, am I, how am I so far out of this? I'm on the phone all the time. How do I not get? The, I'm on the wrong side of TikTok. I think. I think that's. Yes, I think that's that's the problem. <laughs> Um, so it's gonna be a week and a half since when this episode comes Jeez. out. So, um, what do you think? What do you think of the Batman? I think it's still like a year and a half away from actually coming out. But what do you think, Vin? So, like right away, I, I I think like tone is important, and like how they they show Batman the the world that they create is it too campy? Is it too comic booky? Is it you know? I'm very hypersensitive to the because I love Batman, and just like I think they screwed up most of it most of the time so i by the end like right away the nirvana song comes on and um i don't like it i think i texted you like what why like and i know why because it's for our age and and they want to make us happy and 
um, not that the whole thing is for our age, because at the same time it's millennial and it's like, that's okay. By the end of it, I think I'm down with it because I think the way it is, is um, I think it's focused, like the trailer focused on the villains to me. And like, I still, like, I didn't see any villains, but did I? Like, I don't know what I watched. Like, I think it's a world where it's like the rogues gallery, I think is what I read about it. Um, and I think I saw the, like, if they have the Riddler as a serial killer, I'm down with that hundred percent. If they have the Joker as like, I don't I don't know what the Joker is. I think I saw a Catwoman in there, maybe a Bane. Like, I don't know. I don't know what I saw, but the music by the end, I was, I was in it. <laughs> okay. So Paul Dano is playing the Riddler, which I think is great. Cat. Oh, okay. I didn't even know that. I don't. I don't remember seeing him in this. I I think we see Colin Farrell as the Penguin or Coswell, um, whatever his name is. Coswell, yeah. I think in very heavy makeup. I think that's him in a couple of scenes. I don't believe that Joker's in this. I could be wrong. But like Joker, the lights are like you know Joker. Yeah, they're definitely clowns in this movie. Uh, maybe they're setting it up for the Joker next time. And yeah, and Zoe Kravitz is playing Catwoman, which I'm excited about. I think it's, I think it's great casting all all around. Do you remember when Batman was a good guy? Cause, yeah, because yeah, they struggle with that. Like, I am vengeance, right? Like, he's... Yeah, I, I hated that line. I, I liked it. It looks great. It absolutely looks great. And I'm, you know, I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt. And I'm, I am excited about Pattinson as Batman. But I hated that vengeance line. You know, I don't know why this dark, gritty Frank Miller version is now the only option we ever get for Batman. Well, I was going to say, do we um, blame the Sopranos? Like that yeah. whole re- renaissance of the gray area, the bad guy that does good things like, yeah. like Breaking Bad. And that's what we've all been trained on. And anything else seems campy and and like like um, like a, a Superman from the 70s, like the good good boy kind of you know, right. kind of idea. And, and Batman is supposed to be dark, I guess, but you know, yeah, but I think, yeah, I, I agree. I think, I think this is still just trying to counteract the, uh, the Schumacher movies. And yeah. how they became, but I think Captain America proved that you could have a genuine hero as yes. the lead of a film. Because what Batman should be doing is Batman should be doing what the cops can't, right? Because mm-hmm. he's counteracting, because of what the the level and the Dark Knight does this, where it's like, who came first, the chicken or the egg? Like, like did like Batman like heightened, so that means the bad guys had to get crazier, and then Batman's got to become more vengeful and you know get on their level. Like, so it's it's it, it's that increasing you know like 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 weapon technology, but like we're doing it on like a charismatic level, and um, yeah, I, I agree with you. Like you can have you can have a Captain America type where it's just like a a good guy, the hero we want, you know, the hero we need kind of mentality and and not necessarily this uh dark, dark, dark thing. Um yeah. Right. I, I'm still waiting for the t- for the for the tables to turn and I, I don't I don't know when that's gonna happen. I want to see the Batman who's the world's greatest detective. We we don't see that in the movies ever. Yeah. And I think that'd be a really interesting movie. Yeah, in, I, I'm you know not just some thug who brutally beats up people. No, we need we need one thing with that, and that's going to be the costume change. We're going to need like the light gray with the blue. You know, I mean that's yeah. that's that kind of Batman. You do dark, and then it becomes dark. I mean, it's, just, it's uh, to me, it's it's an aesthetic thing and a tone. And you know, look, we're living in times where whenever movies come back, like people are going to want to be happy maybe and not see so much darkness. And I, I think the like September 11th really didn't did things to people. And like the, like, and like 
technology and worry and paranoia and terrorism. And it was just like this psyche of fear, I think, that created this 20-year-plus time mm-hmm. change in, in, in all of our lives. And the next 20 years, I mean, we, we got to start looking at the light and looking at goodness and looking at things that are going to make us happy. Like I told you, like, I just want to see something fun. And the movie we're looking at today <laughs> may not be that, mm-hmm. but it wasn't, <laughs> I think it was entertaining and, and, and made me think of things that, you know, that, that were, you know, I, I don't have to think too hard about like my tough life, you know, cause <laughs> this stuff's crazier. <laughs> yes. And that movie we're talking about today is Rob Zombie's 2005 the Devil's Reject. Okay, so Rob Zombie is, um, I, I don't know. I don't know if people even remember him back during his music career, but that's where we were first introduced to him. Um, his band White Zombie in the 90s, Thunder Kiss 65. Did you like his music? Um, no. I, I'll be very, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to give you a little historical context here. I remember the first time I heard his music, because I am a rock and roll 70s hair man, uh, you know, hair metal 80s heavy metal 90s kind of guy you know uh, punk rock all that and i remember listening to his music first my roommate had it and i was just like ugh what is this this is too this is not i don't like this and then i saw them in concert open up for pantera in 94 95 and it was all style over substance they were so boring his music was so boring the stage show was so boring and it was just it was just like a, like Halloween on the stage, and it was just terrible. And then like that aesthetic in the movie, to me, works, and his music terrible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was always just very theatrical. The same vein as like a Marilyn Manson. Yeah, like you said, style over substance. And but that makes a really good transition to being a director. And you know, so he had he had this artistic vision, and I love. I love this world that he he's created, not just in the movie itself, but it seems like all his movies have this little, like this is zombie verse where, you know, he has his own ba- cast, his band of actors that he likes to work with. The same way the Coen brothers have theirs and, you know, Wes Anderson has his, but his is all wrestlers and old B movie actors <laughs> and porn stars. And, you know, it's, you know, it's the dregs of society. So I, I do, I do love that what he's created. And before I watched Devil's Rejects, I watched the, Somewhat prequel to this, his very first movie, House of a Thousand Corpses, in two thousand and three, and it's it's the same characters as the Firefly family, um, and it, it you see the events a, a little bit in Devil's Rejects, how um, the the William Forsythe's character, his brother dies, the, the cop who dies, it, that all takes place in the first movie, which also features Rain Wilson from The Office and Walter Goggins. You could tell that he's still trying to find his his style and his aesthetic because that movie starts off. It's in the, it takes place in the seventies, of course, like Devil's Rejects, but it's very slick at first. It doesn't look anything like the seventies, but by the end of the movie, it's almost like a, a different movie because it's almost goofy at the beginning, and and towards the end, it gets really dark and twisted, and it looks a lot more like the Devil's Rejects. It's like right. halfway through the movie, he figured out the movie he wanted to make. So um, again, uh, I hate the word shout out, but it was kind of not a request, but like a like a like a like a nudge for me to watch this movie by Cinetology um, uh, uh, fan uh, Kylie, and um, uh, Kylie was the one that that told us, hey, we should do a, a little like a shorter podcast, like that Cinnamon. So I'll give a shout out for her on that, and 
Uh, she said she liked this movie, and she said it was the best horror. I, is it a horror movie for me? I was uh, expecting, I was expecting horror. Inst- instead, my my aesthetically, I liked watching it. Like it was mm-hmm. like it was like this thing where it's hyper real, silly, like really, like it got me, like it lulled me every time into this like silly giddiness, and then all of a sudden became like super serious and horrific that's my question for you it's like what is horror like we 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 talked about killing of a sacred deer as a horror movie and obviously these are worlds apart now i think our definition of a horror movie what we look for is something like more of a thriller like a psychological horror yeah but then there's also like these movies that are classified as horror but again i think it goes back to almost like the theatrical part of it it's it's almost like a, you know horror as a lifestyle like we have all these different you know tropes that we have to put in and horror fans i don't i don't even know if they're scared by any of this stuff i think they just like it and appreciate it and want to see it on film um so it's gruesome yeah and there and i think this movie there are some pretty you know intense and kind of and creepy maybe even scary moments but i was never I was never scared. Right. But I, when, I, I don't know if that's the point. I don't know if the scaring you is even the point of these. Movies. No, it's not. It's not the scaring you is not, it's not like, because that's the thing about, remember like those jump scare ones that they would yeah. always have. And I don't like those or the yeah. ones that you're supposed to be in the theater and feel creeped out by, or they would show like the reaction shot of the crowd and be like, look, they all got scared at the same time. I don't really like those. And what I do like is like mood. So like, a, you know, I think like the shining or the exorcist or killing of a sacred deer, those kind of things like creep me out. Like where you're like, you're like, Oh no, something like I feel a heightened alert, like my body. And, and there's like little moments here where I feel that way, where it's like, wow, this is real. Like, like I'm feeling what the character feels. And when you could do that to me and I don't feel manipulated into it, then you've achieved exactly what I want. I want to feel something real. And, and I, I really like that uh, from this. And and the other thing is it's, it's almost like, because I don't know, like when, maybe it was when Saw came out. Like when was the first like torture porn movie? Was it Saw? Yeah, I think that kicked it off. Right. And and then like Hostel, like all those movies I remember watching and just like, eh, like it's in, like they just up each other, up each other, just too much. This is like, okay, we're going to do that but we're going to have a reason for all of it. Like a real reason. Like we're going to make a movie and like think it out and a plot and characters that you, not not that you have to know their background, like, but you right away, like the acting is so good that you right away know their motivation, that they are unhinged, that they are like living outside of normal like worlds, but you kind of connect with them. And the only, the movie that kept coming back to me was natural born killers. Like just again and again, just like, this is like Mickey and Mallory. This is like, which makes sense because I mean, her dad is in this, right? So yeah, <laughs> Juliet Lewis's dad and it's just, and, and, and his face is in it, right? <laughs> this is a good movie, right? Oh, it's a, what it is. It, it, yeah. It's a plus for me. And, and, I um, uh, I, I, I like, I, it makes me want to watch more of his movies. I mean, I, I think, um, which, which again, like I get his aesthetic, the, the, the music I didn't, I didn't like, but th- this, yeah. And I, I mean, the music in this, I like too, but I mean, that idea of, of like, um, it's a B movie dialogue. The actors are like D level actors <laughs> for the most part, right? Like they were all people I recognize and I've seen another thing. Like, I mean, Sid Haig, I mean, 
he he got me like like I was does he really talk like that? And is he is he African American? Like you, you know, like he remind like right away again. This is weird, I know, but the connection for me is we had this priest at St. Clair's on Staten Island. <laughs> if, if, if any of you that listen to this in Staten Island would know this if you're old. And I'm trying to think of who else went to St. Clair's. Uh, uh, Johnny will remember this. Uh, what do we call him? John what? What's he, where's he from? Johnny from Newark? Jersey John. John. So we had this priest and uh, his name was Father Hicks. And he was the meanest guy in the world. But he kind of looked like Sid Haig to me, right? <laughs> like exactly, right? And when, and he died like suddenly. And uh, we had this like meeting with like all like the kids. And he was like, this. this guy was like, so let me tell you some things about Father Hicks. You know, like he had, no, we know he died. Like, did you know Father Hicks was black? And we're like, what? Like he was light skinned, right? And we all were freaked out by it. And I'm like, wow, it makes sense. I guess he, you know, that was my first idea of like an interracial person that could be light, lighter skinned, but still identifies African American and all that. And I'm looking at Sid Hagen. I'm like, he just is so fluidly like, like, like steps into this almost black exploitation kind of mix of, and then I researched him and he's, he's, he's Armenian, you know, and he's from like Sacramento. Well, his brother in the movie is, is African-American. So yes, yes. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, he's so brilliant and cre- like, he's so creepy as the clown, but not over the top. And then serious, like telling the kid, I'm going to kill you and your whole family. Like, and it was like, so real to me like those are the moments that uh, that are perfect so yeah i mean the, the the choices of acting is amazing and uh and and the other thing is very tarantino-esque mm. just like you could tell the influences just like not like stealing from tarantino but like lightly like the idea of like using actors we recognize just in a different way what'd you think of his wife uh, sherry sherry moon zombie as baby oh she was she was great i mean she was sexy she was uh, uh kind of brilliant kind of kind of creepy uh i liked her I, I i have no idea what else she's been in is she he's there are they still married i don't know yeah i believe they are and i think she's mostly just been in his movies yeah uh, wonderful <laughs> and, and then the, the uh who played the the mother in that hospital with the tongue and the like she she was recognizable to me and i didn't look look it up she yeah was. you know who she here's the story with that in the first movie that character, the mother, was played by Karen Black, B movie like, oh, legend. Love Karen Black, and she wanted too much money for the second movie, so they hired. Uh, let me get her name. She was from the Police Academy movies. Uh, Leslie Easterbrook. You know, she was the very um, the the big buxom blonde in the Police Academy movies. Do right. you remember her at all? Oh, hundred percent. That's her. Like possessed. Like like the tongue was like <laughs> to me very Exorcist erotic i mean it was it was so like playing with emotions on like i like this but i'm creeped out and i can see somebody like on drugs acting like this and just like doing this and like she seems it's just it was so good it it was it was it was very uh i don't just call it entertaining but and the guy again i don't remember his act the name the cop you know very like uh uh scagnetti like from uh oh yeah william Forsythe. And and then of course throwing in like the, all this Groucho's like references and Marx Brothers and and like this overtone of like we're also going to criticize you know like the Marx Brothers and and critics and movie critics <laughs> and he's like grabbing the guy and like saying you know don't talk about the king like that and his acting and you know like like things we love like this guy this academic 
don't tell us for me not to like that. Like, and that's like brilliant. <laughs> I was disappointed. The Groucho stuff didn't really go anywhere. No, but to me it was, it was like thrown in as like, like Rob Zombie telling critics, don't tell me this isn't good. People can like what they like mm-hmm. and stop being critical of, of stuff. You know, <laughs> like it was like his own little message to the critics. And I, I thought I like that kind of, I like that kind of thing. It wasn't over the top, but it was weird. Right. It's we- a movie like this has to be weird. You know, it, yeah. it, you have to, you can't compromise in movies like this for them to work. Otherwise they're just, they, they, they you know, they're just cheap Hollywood, you know, imitations of what a movie like this should be. But I think Rob Zombie is very consistent and he has, you know, I don't think he cares about um, what the mainstream thinks. Obviously not if, you know, he's Rob Zombie. So yeah, I think everything about it just kind of worked for what it was. Let's go to the end. And what did you, how did you feel about like the, the tone shift and maybe not the tone shift, but the shift to these devil rejects almost being the, good guys or at least the protagonist as the cop he goes off the deep end and he and i found myself cheering for them to escape meanwhile they were these i mean the most brutal horrendous people earlier on in the movie and towards the end you're like oh yeah get out of there kill that cop (laughs) the um well and and are the cops bad in this like william forsyth is like creepy and he's like nailing them and he's doing all this like religious stuff so i mean it's the idea of like you know hyper religion kind of it's like a criticism on that i guess as well so you know it's it's again it, it i did feel the tone shift like you're saying and i felt oh they're playing with me so i can like i want to cheer them on or right, i get the manipulation here um because because i felt like bonnie and clyde at the end it felt very like the gun shoot out like we're ready to go yeah. we're gonna go down i'm gonna go for down fighting and and i found myself in that position going yeah if if i went this far man i'm going down fighting too i mean that's just the way it's got to be you know but was that the that guy like that saves them at the end? Is that the devil saving them? Is that who is that saving okay. them? You 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 would know if you saw the first movie. The first movie, he's a he's another member of the family, Tiny. He's one of their brothers. He was I don't know if you remember from the Howard Stern show, Bigfoot. Yeah. He's like yeah. he's seven foot four. Uh, Matthew McGrory, I believe his name is. Yeah, and that's him, this actor, who's just, you know, I mean incredibly big and awkward wasn't he in big fish yes he was in big fish as well he is he's at the very beginning of devil's reject remember he's dragging a girl a body oh right 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 and then he comes back at the end he um i think he was hurt he got injured but he also died uh, right after this movie came out and it's dedicated to him at the end right okay but your 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 tone shift also the, the thing is like the cops are doing what they're supposed to be doing as far as like cop work but then the cops hire these two guys Right. I mean, Danny Trejo and, and Diamond Dallas Page, again, it's a one upping. So now like they're not playing fair. So now you cheer for the the, the bad guys. Right. The family. I mean, that's kind of the, right. the, the shift, um, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. So I can I can see that. It was making sense to me now. So last year, he, um, he Rob Zombie came out with a sequel to this movie. It was not on my radar. It's called Three from Hell. And it takes, I guess they all survived the end of this movie because they all ended up in jail. And I guess they right. escape from jail and go on another killing spree. He's made so many movies, Rob Zombie. Yeah, good for him. You know, he's making these movies he wants. There are obviously fans who want to see these. And I, I really appreciate the fact that somebody like him is out there making these. I, I know it's a cliche. Free Bird's a cliche. 
but I, I love Leonard Skinner. I mean, I really do. And I, that, I love that song. And uh, I thought it was a good use at the end. I mean, it was very clear, like what they're doing and the, the, that shootout is great. And they, they don't get, I mean, do they get away? I mean, they, they don't, they get shot, but then they show the, so is the sequel more like, are they alive? What's going on? I guess, I mean, if just based on this movie, we don't know. It's left ambiguous. And it was that way for like 14 years that, you know, we don't know what happens to him. I assume just watching this, that they did die because of the way they were all riddled with bullets at the end. But yeah. I guess they survive and go, end up in jail. This movie is on um, Amazon Prime right now, as is the House of a Thousand Corpses. I'm not sure if Three from Hell is, but if it is, I might check it out. The um uh, again, I always got to try like not shoehorn this movie into every podcast, but the last shot is like a moving shot in a car, and it's a little blurry, and it's a male face, and it's Sid Haig in this case. That's like the last shot. And right away, the first thought that jumped in my head, can can you think of it? Brown Bunny? 100%. It's the last shot of Brown Bunny, too. <laughs> Speaking of Christmas movies, I'd like to see Sid, Sid Hague in a Christmas movie as a Santa. Yes. Yeah, he'd be great. He might have made one. He might have made some crappy B-horror Christmas movie at some point. Yeah, yeah. D- definite plus. Um, again, it's it, like the first week of, of work this week, so it's been kind of tough. Like you know, uh, So I watched it in bits and pieces. But I always enjoyed it. It was always enjoyable to go to. Go to. Yeah. Uh, plus. Yeah. yeah, Kylie, thank you. It's a movie that we would not have probably uh, looked at ourselves. So I like it. I like when um, checking out things that um, I might have missed. And I definitely missed this. I was aware of it, of course, but uh, I definitely wouldn't have watched it on my own. So I appreciate it. And I, and I enjoyed it. Next week, Vin, it's time. <clears throat> it is time. Charlie Kaufman's movie is out. So that's what you're doing Labor Day weekend, everybody, watching Charlie Kaufman's movie. I'm thinking of ending things on Netflix, and we will talk about it on our next podcast. Until then, how can people get in touch with us? Well, they can get in touch with us at cinetologypodcast at gmail.com, at uh, Instagram. And if you are a friend of mine on any media platforms, like Kylie, again, thank you, Kylie, for uh, recommending this one to me. Uh, you can go ahead and just uh, direct message me, I guess. <laughs> but but I, am not, I am not giving that out at all. And we will be back on Friday before the Charlie Kaufman episode with another Sinner Minute. Till then, thank you for listening. Oh, yeah. And, you know, if, if you're a devil's reject, you're certainly going to keep sinning. So keep sinning on, folks. Yeah.